Thank you for listening to our Love City Church podcast. Visit us online at www.lovecitychurch.ca. We pray that this message encourages you and strengthens you in your walk with Jesus. Hallelujah. I think everyone on the planet just got sick in some way or the other, so... Thank God you're at church today, and if you're watching online and you're feeling sick or lethargic or have a you know scratchy throat or you can't taste anything or everything you eat tastes like old nasty onions, I am so sorry. But we love you, and we're glad you're joining with us online. I want to shout out to our Colombia friends who are watching right now. We've got people who are watching in Peru. We've got people watching in India, China, Japan, all these different folks. We've been looking at our algorithm, like, there's people all over the world watching our YouTube channel. Come on, we got friends in BC and Ontario. Come on, all across the world, we got people watching Love City Church. And so you say, man, it's just a few of us know there is a world of online people that are a part of the Church of Jesus Christ here with us today. Amen. Come on, how how many of you know that when you come into the house of the Lord, the Bible says, enter his gates with thanksgiving. Enter his gates with, his courts with praise. Come on, this is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. I want to encourage you today. First, my encouragement to online folks, come on. If you're online and you can, you're able-bodied, come on, come to church. Join us in the room where two or three are gathered in the name of God. He's there. For those who are in the room today, I want to encourage you today, enter his gates with thanksgiving. Enter his courts with, with praise. Let the joy of the Lord be your strength. Come on, we are here today because of what that video said and what, what Joel said. We matter to God. He died on the cross. He healed our lives. Man, I was a sinner. I was spent years in sins, prison, addiction in my life. Man, I was struggling. And guess what God did? He healed me. He delivered me. He transformed me. He changed my mind. He changed my heart. That's why we come to the house of the Lord. We don't come to the house of the Lord because we're checking off a tick box. We don't come to the house of the Lord because we think God, it pleases God. We don't come to the house of the Lord because we're just trying to be in right, good grace. We come good grace with God. We come to the house of the Lord because, Jesus, we want to know you better. And we want to celebrate what you've done in our lives. Amen? So come on, I just want to remind you today that we're in the house of the Lord, man. God does something powerful. When we're in the midst of the creator living God, you are in the very midst, two or three gathered in the church of Jesus Christ. Powerful things happen. You have faith the size of a mustard seed. Bassey said this last week. You know that it takes a a microscope to see most mustard seeds. Faith that small as you enter the house of the Lord. You believe that God, the creator God's in the room and faith, just a little bit of faith. You walk in the house of God with the brothers and sisters in Christ, with our faith pulled together. God can do a miracle in your life. I just feel strongly I want to stir you today. We're going to get into the word in a minute, but I want to, I'm kind of prophesying to you right now. Come on, the house of the Lord is not just a religious institution. The house of God is not just something that we frivolously take on. The house of God is a sacred environment where broken, battered people gather together to celebrate the name of Jesus Christ. So I want to encourage you, when you walk in these doors and you walk down these stores and down these stairs, come in the room with an expectation believing that I serve a miracle-working God. And when I stir up my faith in worship and when I hear the word of the Lord and when we're praying in the midst of God, He wants to do miracles. He wants to move in our midst. He wants to speak to you. He wants to transform you. He wants to break addictions off your life. He wants to stir your faith. He wants to remind you of what He did in your life so that you can walk in the house of God and say, I come from a place of victory. I'm not just asking for victory. I'm celebrating because of victory. Amen? 
I'm a little excited this morning. So I'll stir you up. No, I don't want to stir up right now. I just I want to speak to religion. This Love City Church is not a religious institution. We don't, we don't, we don't, we don't check in and check out. Come on, when you're here in the house of law, you watch me. Some of you are like, oh man, he's really scolding us. I'm not scolding you. I'm just encouraging you to remember that there is power when we gather together. What a beautiful name it is. Man, we're singing the name of Jesus. What a powerful name it is. Oh, we're singing the name of Jesus. We want a fresh wind. When you're in the house of the Lord, I encourage you. When you're in the house of the Lord, come with expectation. Don't just, don't just come, you know, here we go, doing our thing. Come, come with expectation. When we sing those words, when we begin to sing worship to the Lord, come on, when we hear the word of God, when we're praying together, expect God's going to shake me up. God's going to do something powerful in my life. God's going to do something new in, in, in my home and in my children and in my business and in our city and in our church. God's going to do that in my life, amen? I don't want to go through this year like last year. He wants to do something in your life. Man, I feel this so strong in my spirit right now. I want to shake you up. I had a prophetic word of my life many years ago when I was in high school, and the, 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 the girl who gave me a prophetic word said, you're going to be like a spark in a dry field. <clears throat> you're going to light people on fire. And that's what I'm doing today. <laughs> Come on, we are passionate for the things of God, amen? I don't want you to leave here the same. I don't want you to leave on Sundays the same. I don't want you to leave the environments of God the same. Man, when we enter the presence of the Lord, it's like, holy cow, we are in the very presence of, of ancient of days from the beginning to end of the creator God. I know I'm going off on this a little bit, but I'm just, as your pastor, I would encourage you, if we want to see God move mightily in our midst, we have to come into the house of God expecting God to move mightily in our midst. And he wants to do it in your life. Amen. Well, let's get into the Word today. If you have a Bible, you got a digital Bible, open it up to Matthew chapter 6. I'm going to be uh, ending our first series next week. Come on, I think, Jesse, are you in the room? I saw her here for a second. Oh, there she is. Come on, Pastor Jesse, who is doing an incredible job building an incredible kids' ministry, uh, our youth ministry, starting on uh, February 9th for our Grow Nights. We are having our very, I, I think I'll call it our first. I hope that's okay. Our very first youth, I think, a youth service where we're having full worship. Jesse's going to preach the lights out. Come on, we're going to pray and prophesy, and these young people are going to get lit on fire for Jesus. Amen. But she's just killing it. She's going to bring the word next week. She's preaching the word. We're going to have Generation Sunday. All the kids are going to be in the room. It's going to be electric in the room, and we're going to have a lot of fun. And then we have Pastor Daryl Corbin coming, who's uh, you know a pastor in my life, an elder at our church. He's transitioning off our eldership team. We're setting a new elders. He, he's an incredible speaker. He, oh, man, you're not going to want to miss it on February uh, 6th uh, for our five-year celebration. And then I'm going to be starting a series called Salt and Light. We're going to talk about the need uh, for Jesus in the lives of people. We need to preach the gospel. Uh, one of the greatest examples of that is Pastor Kim. Pastor Kim preaches the gospel. Uh, there's people in our church because of Pastor Kim, my wife, and different people. But we're going to hear some stories from some folks who found Christ, uh, found Jesus, and uh, it's going to be a great series. We'll start that in the month of February. And then we're going to do an eight-week walk through the book of Colossians called The Greatness of Jesus. It's going to be awesome. So we're going to study the Bible together. It's going to be great. Okay, let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this morning. Uh, Father, I pray that you would open our hearts to your word. The Lord, that as we study your word, we would leave changed. We'd leave transformed. God, that we wouldn't just 
hear the words that are said today and just kind of, Lord, just kind of gloss over that. You'd speak clear parts of people today. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. Come on, let's read this verse. Matthew chapter 6, jump into our key text here. Uh, in the NIV says, the seek the kingdom of God, NLT, seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need. The NIV says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all of these things shall be added unto you. The word seek means to seek in order to find. So when you seek, when you set out on a journey to seek God, you're seeking him with an expectation that you'll find him. We're not seeking God, questioning if we'll find him, or on a journey where we're like, maybe I will, or who knows. No, the idea here is that when you seek on the journey to seek God, you know that you will find him. And I'm here to tell you today, the Bible promises you and me that when you seek God, you will find God. I believe there's many people who are frustrated in the journey of, of seeking God. I know I've sought God before in my past where I've sought him and I've sought him and I've sought him and I've just said, God, I want you and God, I need you. And how many of you know sometimes you say, oh my gosh, I've sought God and nothing's happened. I had to hear the voice of God. I didn't see God do anything. I want you to know that the Bible promises that if you seek him, you will find him. Proverbs 8, 17, I love those who love me and those who seek me will find me. Deuteronomy 4, 29, but if from there you seek the Lord your God, you will find him if you seek him with all of your heart and with all of your soul. Jeremiah 29, 13, you will seek me and you will find me when you seek me with all your heart. The Bible promises that if you're here today and you have a desire to find God, if you seek him, you will find him. But I do believe that in order for us to truly experience the full revelation of God in your life, there needs to be a heart check. We have to check our motivation. Why are we seeking God? I want to give you three biblical ideas today about seeking God that I believe that if you can, if you can uh, uh, understand these ideas, the Holy Spirit will uh, speak these things to your heart, that you will begin to recognize that when you seek God from these biblical uh, perspectives or foundations, that you will find him. Many of you today, I believe, many in the church today are frustrated in their journey with God because they cry out to God and they feel like God's not answering. I believe God wants you to know today that when you seek God and you seek him with all of your heart, you will find God. So here's our first thought today. Seek God first to know him better. Seems like a very, very elementary thought. Seek God first to know him better. The reason many of us do not find God or when we seek after God, we feel as though we don't find him is because our seeking is foundationally incorrect. Often I'm seeking God because I want something from him. I approach God and I'm, I'm seeking God because I have an expectation of God. I have a want from God. I, uh, so I'm seeking after God from a position. God, I want something from you. Therefore, I'm going to seek you. And yes, do we bring our needs before God? And yes, do we bring our wants before the Lord? And yes, do we have things that we need from him? Of course. But the, the problem is, is that many times when we seek God, we are more focused on the and than we are on God. Seek first God's kingdom and all these things will be added unto you. 
A.W. Tozer, in his book, Pursuit of God, which I recommended that you read, and you can still pick it up, mentions this in this book, Pursuit of God. And this is what he says. We must simplify our approach to him. We must strip down to essentials. We must put away all effort to impress and come with the guileless candor of childhood. If we do this, without, without a doubt, God will quickly respond. When religion has had its last word, there is a little that we need other than God himself. The evil habit of seeking God and effectively prevents us from finding God in full revelation. In the end lies our great woe. If we omit the end, we shall soon find God, and him we shall find that for which we have all our lives have been secretly longing. We need not fear that in seeking God, only we may narrow our lives or restrict the motions of our expanding hearts. The opposite is true. We can well afford to make God our all, to concentrate, to sacrifice the many for the one. What this is saying here is that we often focus on what we want from God rather than focusing on God himself. One thing we have to be reminded about is that we have to be reminded that God is a person. He's not just an abstract force. He's not just the God in the universe. He's not just the Star Wars force that we access when we need special abilities. He, he's not just this random cosmic power. No, God is a person. All the emotions that you feel in your life, all, this, all the different emotions, good and bad. Did you know that God feels the same exact emotions? That God feels the same exact things? The only difference between you and him is that God is perfect and every emotion that he feels is an emotion of perfection. He doesn't act out in, in an evil way or a wrong way. God is perfect. And so God understands exactly where you are at. God is a person. He wants, he wants to know you. He wants to have a relationship with you. He wants to understand you. God is a person. He feels deeply. He's passionate. He loves like no other. He desires like no other. Every single emotion that you feel is the same as God's. He's a person. Not just this gift giver or this universe or this idea or this entity. He's a person. You and I are created in his image. The Western Catechism was written by the Church of England in 1646. This, they wrote a little statement, and this statement uh, is really, uh, many people believe is this succinct, clear statement is the full uh, expression or definition in one sentence of what it means to be a true follower of Jesus Christ. It boils down everything about what it means to follow God into one sentence. Look what it says, the Westminster Catechism, man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. When's the last time that you just enjoy God? When's the last time you enjoyed His presence? When's the last time you enjoyed going on a walking and talking with Him and hearing from Him? And when's the last time you heard His voice? When's the last time you just enjoyed His love and enjoyed His forgiveness and enjoyed his encouragement and enjoyed his affirmation. When's the last time that you found yourself just in love with him? And what's the last time that you spent time with the Holy Spirit where you were making a deep, intimate connection? When is the last time you actually enjoyed the creator of the universe, the savior of our souls, the, the one who created us and unified us and made us and forgave us and redeemed us and he loves us and he affirms us and he cares for us and he guides us and he shaped us in the, our mother's womb and he watched us in every single day of our 
Our life is written in his book. When is the last time you just spent time with God? When's the last time that you got into the presence of God and didn't have an agenda? When's the last time you got in the presence of God and didn't have all these needs or these wants or these things in your life that you said, okay, I'm going to go pray because I've got a problem or I'm going to pray because I have a need. I'm going to pray because I'm in crisis. When's the last time you just said, I just want to spend time with you, God. Remember that the chief purpose of our seeking after God is not just to get the life that we want, but it's just to know God better, just to be in a personal relationship with the living creator God who died for you and loves you and sanctified you and transformed you. That is the very first reason you and I pursue a relationship with God. And that's why in Deuteronomy 4, 29, again, it says that if from there you seek the Lord your God, then you will find him if you seek him with all your heart and with all your soul. You should seek God first just to know him. I believe this will be a radical transformation of many of you who have lived in a state of religion. And I don't mean that as, a, as an insult. I mean that is that maybe that's how you were raised or how you were trained. It's about checkboxes and doing good and showing up. But but I want to believe that in this year you're going to go from a religious 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 experience to a relationship with the living God who wants to have a personal, unique relationship with every single person who's watching me today. Here's the second thought today: seek God first to get what He wants for you. What we want is not the objective of our seeking after God. It's what God wants. I've learned something throughout the years as I've sought God. I look back on my life as I'm turning 40 in a couple of months. Oh, my gosh. Whew, I'm so old. All the old people in the room are like, you're so young. I look back on my life and realize that oftentimes I'm, I'm seeking after God for what I want and, and for what I need. And I say, God, this is what I need. And God, this is what I want. And I'm praying for these things to happen. And guess what? What I didn't realize is that God had already provided everything that he knew that I needed, but it wasn't what I wanted. So everything God provided in my life was everything that I needed, but not what I wanted. And often, when God provides for us, we actually don't even realize that he's already provided everything that you need in this season, but our eyes are focused on what we want, or our eyes are focused on an idea of what that looks like, and so we're so focused on praying to God and seeking God for these things. God, this is what I want, and God, this is what I need, and he says, stop it. I've already provided what you need the most. I've already given you exactly what you need. See, God showed up, and he provided what I needed, but what I needed wasn't something that I wanted. I think that I need to be at a certain level for my ministry, or I think that I need to be at a certain place for my business, or I feel like I need to be making a certain amount of money in this time, or I feel like I should be able to hear God at a certain level, or I feel like my relationship should be in a certain way, or I feel like I should be in a, a marriage relationship, or I should be at a certain place of you know traveling the world as a missionary, or whatever it might be, whatever things that we hope and desire, what we don't realize is that right now God has already provided in your life exactly what you need, and the reason he hasn't given you that yet is because he knows if he gives you what you want, you will self-destruct. You cannot handle what you think that you want. God is preparing you. See, because when God provides what he knows that you need, his provision is often about preparation. 
the provision God does give you in your life that you don't even realize is what God is giving you to prepare you for the promised land that God has for you. And so often we get frustrated because you say, God, why am I not at this place in my ministry? Why am I not at this place in my relationship? Why am I not there yet? He says, it's because what I'm providing for you is preparing you for what I have for you. But if I give you what you want, you'll never get where I want you to go. And so you have to recognize in your life that the provision of God in your life, often are you okay with what God provides for you? That's what we have to understand that God's timing isn't our timing, and God's results are not our results, and it often happens in a different way, and it all happens at a different time, and God shows up, and we don't even realize that he showed up. And in fact, I'm so thankful the Lord revealed this to me in Scripture. Uh, There's actually a, a thread of this through the people of Israel when they came into the desert. Here they are a year into the desert, and God led them out of their old life of Egypt They were on slavery. They were being beaten and mistreated and in bondage. And God led them out of their old life into this new season in the desert where they were being led by God, a cloud by by day and a fire by night. And God was speaking to them and he was close to them and he was present with them. And about a year into the journey, they, they were hungry. They didn't have any food. They had nothing to eat. And so they started in their minds, and it was seen a moment in the scripture, they started getting a little frustrated with God. God, I'm hungry. God, I want you to provide for me. And they begin to consider in their minds what it was that they were wanting and needing. And it says in the scripture, they begin to think back to the, the meat pots. And they were in Egypt and they had meat pots and they had garlic and they had olives and they had bread and they had fish. And they said, God, this is what we want. We want meat pots, God. And we want garlic and leeks and asparagus and fish. I'm hungry. Hallelujah. God, I want these things, God. Like, this is exactly what I want, God. We're hungry. God, provide for me. God, this is exactly what I I want you to provide in my life. And it's interesting, if you look in the scripture in Exodus chapter 16, God absolutely showed up and provided for them. Exodus chapter 16 says, the whole Israelite community set out from Elam and came to the desert of Sin, hilarious, which is between Elam and Sinai, and the 15th day of the second month after they had come out of Egypt, in the desert, the whole community grumbled against Moses and Aaron. So they're seeking God, a little bit of a grumbling, complaining. How many of us can relate to that? The Israelites said to them, if only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt, there we sat around pots of meat and we ate all the food we wanted, but you brought us out into this desert to starve this entire assembly to death. Then the Lord said to Moses, I'll rain down bread from heaven for you. So he listened to their grumbling and complaining. They're seeking after him. He says, I'm going to rain down bread from heaven for you. The people are to go out each day and gather enough for that day. And this way I will test them and see whether they follow my instructions. Um, uh, That evening, oh, the quail came, sorry, and covered the camp. And in the morning, there was layers of dew around the camp. And when the dew was gone, thin flakes like frost on the ground appeared on the desert floor. So I want you just to take a moment and consider this. Jesus is dropping KFC from the sky. Like, he's dropping chicken and quail and, and you know, like, like Cobb's bread. They just get down, it's flakes, and they put it together, and it's just fresh, steamy bread. And they've got manna, and they've got quail. And God provided this for 38 years. A miracle from heaven. There's no cooks. There's no restaurants. God just brought it down from heaven. God provided in a supernatural, miraculous way for their lives. Manna from heaven, quail, meat, and bread. 
And when the Israelites saw it, they said to each other, what is it? But they did not know what it was. And Moses said to them, it is the bread that the Lord has given you to eat. So we see later in the story, about a year later, here they are. Remember, they were asking for meat pots and leeks and asparagus and onions. They had an idea. And here God provided for them uh, Cobb's bread and KFC, quail and manna from heaven for 38 years. And just one year later, the rabble, the group, the mob of people, they begin to crave other food. And again, the Israelites started wailing and said, if only we had meat to eat. We remember the fish we had in Egypt, no cost. Also the cucumbers and melons and leeks and onions and garlic. But now we have lost our appetite. We never see anything but this manna. All we see is the provision of God in our lives. This is not what I want. I wanted meat in a pot. Top sirloin, please. New York steak. I wanted some chicken. I wanted some fish. I didn't want my life to look like this. And he says, oh, I provided for you every single day exactly what you needed because I was preparing you. There was a preparation behind the manna and the quail that the people of Israel did not realize. That God had been preparing them by giving them what they needed, not what they wanted. And I love it because we see this, this actually show up in Scripture. That God provided what they needed not just what they wanted in Deuteronomy chapter 8. Remember how the Lord God led you through the wilderness for these 40 years. Look at this. Humbling you and testing you to prove your character and to find out whether or not you would obey his commands. Yes, listen to this. He humbled you by letting you go hungry. And then he fed you Cobb's bread. <laughs> he fed you manna, a food previously unknown to you and your ancestors. He did it. Look at this. To teach you but people don't live by bread alone. Jesus quoted this in his temptation. Rather, we live by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Hey, see, God was teaching you that when you get into your promised land season, you've got to trust in the Lord. You can't trust in your own ways. You can't trust in worldly things. You've got to continue as you move into the season that God has for you. If I can't teach you this in this season, if I just give you what you want, you won't learn what I'm trying to prepare you for. He continues in this verse. Look, verse 16, he fed you man in the wilderness, a food unknown to your ancestors. He did this to humble you and to test you for your own good. He did it because he knew it's what's best for you. God, why are you giving me a relationship? Because it's what's best for you. God, why aren't I getting that promotion that I know that I deserve? Because it's best for you. God, why aren't I moving forward in my ministry? Because it's best for you. He knows exactly what's best for you. And he did all of this so you would never say to yourself that I've achieved this wealth with my own strength and with my own energy. Remember the Lord your God. He is the one who gives you the power to be successful. He says, the entire season you were in the wilderness, I gave you what you needed, quail and manna, because I was trying to teach you that one day when you do go into the promised land, when you do fulfill my purposes, when you do step into that relationship, when you do get that promotion, when you do go to the next level in your life, I taught you to trust in me. I taught you to trust in my word. I, I, I taught you that this success you have, this house you live in, this relationship you have, this, uh, re this reality, 
you're experiencing in the promised land, it has nothing to do with you. The Lord gave you the power to get wealth. The Lord gave you the power to do what you're doing right now. I took you through the season where I gave you exactly what you needed, even though you didn't want it, because I knew there'd be a season where you'd come into my blessing and you'd come into my favor and you'd come into this promised land and I knew your temptation is to put other things first. And so we have to recognize that when we seek after God, we're seeking what God wants. And if you seek what God wants, he will prepare you for what he has for you. You know, it's really fascinating. Jesus actually experienced this as well. Jesus is about to be crucified. Uh, some scholars say that Jesus' crucifixion was potentially the most brutal, excruciating, painful crucifixion ever. And here's Jesus in the garden. He's praying. He went back to his disciples. They're asleep, comes back again multiple times. And this time, here's Jesus. He's praying to God. He's talking to his father. And look what he says in the scripture. He's talking about being brutally murdered. And it says he withdrew about a stone's throw beyond them. And he knelt down and prayed. He says, Father, if you're willing, take this away from me. I don't want to do this. I don't want to be brutally murdered. I don't want to do this, Jesus says. If you're willing, can you please take this cup from me? But look what he says. Yet, Lord, I seek you. Father, I seek you. Not for my will, but yours be done. Now, oftentimes, we don't read the next verse. Jesus is saying, God, I don't want to die. But at the end of the day, I want what you want. And guess what? God showed up and God provided exactly what Jesus needed in his life. An angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him. The angel from heaven didn't show up and take this cup from him. He gave him the strength to drink the cup. We say we don't want to be crucified, God. I don't want to be in a lonely season, in a single season. I don't want to be in the position I am at work. I don't want to be in this place, in the ministry I have. I want to be leading it, or I want to be doing this, or I want to be going here. God says, you're not ready yet. I'm going to give you the strength in this season because I'm preparing you. Remember, Jesus Christ was crucified, and guess what? On the third day, he rose again. And now he sits at the right hand of the Father, glorified as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Why? Because he sought the Father for what God wanted, not what he wanted. We recognize that if we can shift our thinking in this way, you will begin to experience the purposes of God in your life sooner than later. I just want to speak to those in the room who are frustrated right now with what God's asking them to do. There's people who are part of the house of God or on a journey with Jesus, and you're frustrated in this season, frustrated maybe with the church, frustrated with, in general, the church, frustrated with your ministry, frustrated just with God and the seeking. I want to tell you today, and I said this in the first service, and I say this as a, as a pastoral encouragement, not a rebuke. I want to encourage you, stop fighting the, the provision of God in your life. When God provides what you need, it doesn't always feel like what you want, but for the season he has you in that place, it hurts, it sucks, we don't like it, but he's doing it for a purpose to prepare you for what he has for you. Stop fighting it. Get over the areas of life where we're saying, oh, I can't get past this unforgiveness. I can't get past this bitterness. I can't get past this way I was treated. I can't get past this thing. Come on, I encourage you. Come on, let's move past it and let's not fight it any longer because the sooner we do, the quicker we go into the promised land. You say, okay, God, I want to seek you for what you want. Here's the last thought as we end the last few moments here. 
You want to seek God? To stay focused on his heavenly kingdom. I was, I was impacted by, I went back and read through our key text. In this key text, in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus is talking about worldly wealth. Do not, he says, do not store up treasures on earth where rust and, and moth and thieves, they destroy it. But you can store up your treasures in heaven. He says, he's talking about money and you can't serve two masters. He talks about the spirit of mammon. He says, come on, you got to choose. You're going to serve money or you're going to serve God. And then he, he says, where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. So that's the context of where we start our passage of Scripture, talking about investing our lives into this earth. And then he says this verse in Matthew chapter 6, 25, Therefore, because of everything that I just said, I tell you this, don't be anxious about your life, what you're going to eat, what you're going to drink, or about your body, or what you put on. And then he says this incredible verse that I've read past many times. He says, is not life more than, more than food, more than body, more than clothing, more than your career, more than your business, more than your relationships, more than your satisfaction, more than your fulfillment, more than what's going to happen tomorrow, more than the success, more than the promotion. Life is more than that. Why? Because life is here today and gone tomorrow. The Bible says life is but a mist. Like the lilies of the field, they fade away. It is but a mist. It is but a simple fog. It is gone in a moment. The life that we're living right now, we are simply vagabonds and visitors on this planet. We are citizens of heaven. And when we seek first the kingdom of God, we want to know Jesus. When we seek first the kingdom of God, God, I want what you want. But when we seek the first the kingdom of God, we should walk away with a fresh perspective realizing that yes, this planet and the earth is important and we have to be good stewards of it. But we have to remember, this planet is not our home. We are citizens of heaven. Read these scriptures with me as we end our time. Philippians chapter 3, verse 20. But there's far more to life for us. We're citizens of high heaven. We're waiting the arrival of the Savior, the Master Jesus Christ, who will transform our earthly bodies into glorious bodies like his own. He'll make us beautiful and whole with the same powerful skill by which he's putting everything as it should be under and around him. How about this in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3? What a God we have! And how fortunate we are to have him, the father of our master Jesus, because Jesus was raised from the dead. We've been given a brand new life and have everything to live for, including a future in heaven. And the future starts now. The, uh, God is keeping careful watch over us in the future. The day is coming when you'll have it all, life healed and whole. I know how great this makes you feel. Even though you have to put up with every kind of aggravation in this meantime, pure gold put in the fire comes out it proved pure. Genuine faith put through this suffering comes out as proved genuine. When Jesus wraps this all up, it's your faith, not your gold, that God will have on display as evidence of his victory. You and I have to remember, as followers of Jesus Christ, as we draw closer to him, as we seek him, the attachments we have to this world become less. We care less about money. We care less about how we look and what people think of us. We care less about our future. We care less about all of these things. When I say care, I don't mean don't have concern or good stewardship. I mean, we trust the Lord more for the things that are in our lives. We have a focus on heaven. 
We remember that when things happen to us on this planet, it's okay. I turn the other cheek. Why? Because heaven is my home. Remember when things are hurt, happen to us and hurt us and impact us, we say, it's okay. Why? Because heaven is my home. As I seek the face of God and as I seek his presence, I am reminded that I am a citizen of heaven and that my life on earth is just a moment, just a mist, just a fog, and that it's here today and gone tomorrow. And that's why today it's important that you have a life-giving personal relationship with Jesus Christ because right like that, life is over. So when you seek after the Lord, remember that. He's trying to give you a godly, spiritual, heavenly perspective. You close your eyes today. I want to pray for you. Every eye closed in this place. Well, I want to pray for two people in the room today. Come on, first thing, I want to pray for those who would like to give their life to Jesus. I'm not going to pull you forward or embarrass you. I just want to pray for you. Secondly, I'm going to pray for those in the room. Maybe you have been seeking after God with the wrong motivation. And you're here today and you say, man, I just, I want to experience what God has for me, but it's been tough going through this testing season. I want to pray for strength for you. I want every eye closed, every head bowed online as well. You're in the room today and man, I I don't know Jesus or I'd like to start a fresh journey with him. I'd like to make a personal commitment to serve Christ today. If that's you, would you just place your hand in the air real quick? Let me see it real fast and put it right back down. I'm not going to call you forward or embarrass you. I just want to pray for you today. When anybody in the room want to give their lives to Jesus Christ, come on, amen. Come on. Thank you, Jesus. If you're in the room today, you say, Ryan, that message is for me. My motivation's off. I want to make a fresh start. I want to repent of any sin in my life. I just want to start fresh today. When you're here today and you want to say, Ryan, I want a fresh start. Come on, put your hands in the air real high and proud today. Come on, amen. Come on, anybody else in the room today? Come on, multiple hands. Anybody else? Be bold. Come on, by faith. Come on, put that hand in the air in the name of Jesus. Come on, Father, right now, we just pray, Holy Spirit, that, God, that you would come to every person here. And, Father, we just start today by saying, Jesus, we want you, God. We don't just want the things that surround you. God, we want you. We want a relationship with you. We want to know you, God. And I pray today, Father, you'd forgive us for getting off track, pursuing our own desires and our own needs and our own things. And God, we put our attention and our focus and our desires on you. I pray for those online in the room who want to give their life to Jesus Christ. Lord, the Bible says that if you confess with your mouth and you believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord, you will be saved. And we pray today, God, that they would have a fresh start with you today. Your mercies are as new as the rising of the sun. We love you in Jesus' mighty name. Thank you for listening to our Love City Church podcast. Visit us online at www.lovecitychurch.ca. We pray that this message encourages you and strengthens you in your walk with Jesus.